Welcome to Notes from the Field, brought to you by Noeo Science. Gordon, Will, how are you, brother? I'm doing great. How are you? Doing pretty good. Good. Yeah. Well, it keeps getting closer to spring. Daylight's increasing. Yep. Incrementally. Yes. Temperature staying in the 40s. Yeah. Teasing us. It is. I'm waiting for it to drop out again here. We'll see. Yeah. See what happens. Uh, you know, March, April, just a wild, uh, there's all sorts of wild cards yeah. here in Moscow. And uh, winter can happen. <laughs> yeah. Well into April. Up until June. <laughs> well. Temporarily. That's rare. Yeah. Yeah. Very rarely. So I'm... Uh, Looking forward to uh, what we have to talk about today. Yeah. I decided to go with uh, our bucket list of beasties. Yeah. So, as most of you know, bucket list is what you want to see or do before you kick the bucket. And um, I thought it would be good. Hopefully, there aren't too many overlaps. Um, I, I know there are some. We've talked about parental care, defense mechanisms, stuff like that. And so, when we are describing our bucket list of critters that we want to see, mm -hmm. some might be reruns of past topics, but this is uh, looking at it from what, what, what do we really, 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 really want to see? Yeah. In not just on uh, a nature doc, there, there are things that I've seen on BBC where I, I, yeah, I've seen it. But I didn't see it really. Yourself. Uh, I didn't in see the it flesh. myself. In the flesh. Where I was, I was the one that was out there. I was the one that spotted it and saw it and tucked it away for, to, to tell my kids. Yeah. So here we go. I like it. And did you, uh, what was your approach to this? Were you just thinking the, the thing that would be most exciting within a certain group or, or geographically well, you know, or how, how you did know, you approach this? Basically, the the sky's the limit. Um, it can be, you know, if you could go anywhere in the world. Which we did a show on our favorite, our ecosystem bucket list before. Yeah, our ecosystem yep. bucket list. And this is a uh, critter bucket list, mm -hmm. so there might be some similarities. But yeah. And, you know, a lot of people go for the, as I mentioned before, a lot of people go for the, the charismatic megafauna. Yeah. And you can, you can. Count on me to uh, to, to fight that. To... <laughs> You're fighting that. Yeah. Maybe that's not true. Maybe people I love mean, the well, little I, mundane no, I stuff. I think that. I mean, that's what you mostly see. So that's why I'm trying to encourage you to say, don't just um, yearn for for being in some you know beautiful emerald ocean with with this uh, whale shark yeah. that glides by you. Yes, I'll add that to my bucket list. Yeah. That would be pretty glorious. Yeah. But those are and 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 we're we're open to hearing those from you, me, but you'll be surprised at some other things that I might I'm say. I'm I'm increasingly impressed with how a lot of nature docs, especially with the proliferation of high quality cameras. Mm -hmm. Uh there's so many excellent, you know, Close-up video footage of microorganisms. Oh, now, yeah. for example, like microcosmos. Or, or, yeah, microcosmos, which is or, a fabulous or, or mac macro lenses where you're zooming in on small creatures. 
Yeah. And uh, I may have mentioned before, one of my favorites is Life in the Undergrowth, where they were zooming in on all sorts of tiny, tiny insects yeah. and things you've just never seen before. And they're all over your backyard. Yeah. And yet we keep going for the, the big stuff, you know, which is fine. Trend, I think the trend is shifting. Good. I think it's shifting. Good. Because, yeah. you know, the, uh, the common small stuff is just as extraordinary. Right. We just don't see it. And uh, we want to see the big elephant or the big giraffe. And, it's, a which scale. Is great. it's a scale thing. It's a scale thing. And, and there's just so much out there that's uh, worth seeing, mm -hmm. especially if you've got new eyes. Well, so I'll just uh, go ahead and kick it off with nothing it. I'm waiting for the most uh, yeah, mundane, well, the mu boring yeah. creature yep. imaginable. Well, this isn't, <laughs> isn't super mundane. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's exciting to me. Uh, as you know, it's, uh, I'm going to kick it off with another herp. You know, the Southwest is not some place that I live. I've been there. And um, one of my favorite lizards is, is the horned lizard. There's uh, a number of species. and I just think they're just cute, just cute. Yeah. They're just little pug nose and they're, they're all these little spines in a, a symmetrical array, beautiful camouflage, but horned lizards, they'll eat a variety of insects, but they are ant specialists. In other words, the bulk of their diet ants. And, uh, I would just love to see, they're not a swift, they can, they can, they can scurry. But uh, I would love to just see one sort of hunkered down below some sagebrush, parked right next to a long column of ants, mm. and just sitting there uh, with his head cocked, looking at the ants marching by and just snapping them up every so often. And uh, that, that is something that I've seen on a nature doc, mm -hmm. but I would love to see it in person. Just lay down on my belly, sit there. Uh, hopefully, uh, I've, I've, I'm still enough that I don't spook the horned lizard and just have them just be sitting there, sit and wait and just pick off those ants one by one as they file on by, seemingly oblivious that this, this monster is looming above them, uh, snapping up their comrades every so often. Yeah. That kind would of, be kind fun. of like David knocking out every other one of the I, I forget which <laughs> of a of a bunch of uh, soldiers that he um, conquered and he did the every other one or something hmm. and took them out. Yeah, yeah. It'd be interesting to see how the answer would respond. Yeah, like is there is the is this message well, they're passed following, on? Yeah, they're following their their trail pheromone, and you know they see their comrade right in front of them get picked Disappear. up. Yeah. <laughs> right. I don't know. I Time to ignore that pheromone I, I would and definitely... hang a left. Goodness. Yeah. yeah. So that's one of those small things that I would love to see up close. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. I, I've kind of decided to approach this a little bit more, um, a little more taxonomically. Sure. Like if I were to pick a creature in, in, let's say in each kingdom, or um, Sounds good. or maybe a couple per kingdom. What would I want to see? And I, I would love to. One of my favorite things to do is to look at water samples under the microscope just mm -hmm. to see what creatures you you find. And it was two years ago, I think we were getting samples from the local creek here, mm -hmm. and discovered a creature that none of us I hadn't seen it before. And 
And it was this remarkably, uh, it was a pink-hued ciliate called blepharisma. Oh, wow. And I'd never even heard of blepharisma. And there, there it was. There's, it's in, and was it, it a big ciliate? It's a, it's a fairly significantly sized. It's not like stentor. Oh, stentor huge. But it's, it's kind of, um, it has kind of a, I would say, a shorter, stouter vase shape. Okay. Um, has a ring of cilia uh, around kind of its, uh, its mouth parts. And or it, it's oral groove. It's yeah, that's right, exactly. It's oral groove, and it was it was just remarkable to see that. And then I, I love the follow up. Oh, here's a new creature I've never even heard of. I can't wait to read about it and mm-hmm. find out more about it. Yeah. And so uh, the creature that occurs to me in kind of the microcosmos realm is I would love to see a co- coccolithophores. I would love to get a water sample, or, mm-hmm. or I'd love to get a sample of of the sea floor where there's all this ooze. All right. this calcareous and right. and silica-based ooze. So and just start to piece through it and yeah. find these little coccolithophores. Yeah, the coccolithophores are little algae that have this uh calcium carbonate cell wall structure, but the the symmetry oh, and may, they, uh, maybe they're made it, of these circular discs. The, yeah, that, that are kind may, of maybe not as pretty as a diatom, but they are really cool looking. There's a lot there's a lot going on there. Yeah. And you know what's neat about those, and you probably know the, that the coccolithophore calcareous shells make up, along with foraminiferin. Yeah, they make up some of these massive chalk deposits yeah. we have. In particular, folks all love to cite the Cliffs of Dover. Yeah, the cliffs, uh, White Cliffs of Dover. Made up of foraminiferin and made up of Mostly. diatoms and made up of coccolithophores. They're yeah. fossilized shells or yeah, tests. Yeah, the shells are just tests or, or cell walls in case of coccolithophores. Quite a mouthful. Yeah, it's a fun word too. Yeah, and but I it would... does ru- like foraminiferin's really long too, but it rolls off the tongue. <laughs> foraminiferin, radiolarians, coccolithophores. <laughs> yeah, it sounds kind of yeah. like a tropical steel drum band. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I had a, I, I had this. Um, whenever I see a coccolithophore, I, I don't know why, but for some reason, I would think, I think that there needs to be a series of of marine unicellular or microorganisms that have a, a line of plush toys. I'm just convinced that we need a line of coccolithophores. Well, yeah, I'd like a plush toy that's a stentor. Yeah. I I don't know if I've mentioned stentor here uh, I'm on not the po- sure. That's an podcast. amazing one. Again, we're, 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 we apologize uh, ahead of time if we, we do these, uh, Reruns, but a little redundancy. Yeah, that's okay because not everybody. You guys know what you're in for. Yeah, I mean we're getting old and (laughs) we don't want to listen to ourselves. (laughs) So, yeah, but stentor is one of these ciliate. As as Will had said, uh, this what what was it called that that weird the blepharisma blepharisma. Yeah, yeah, I've seen I've heard of that before, but. So he said it's a ciliate. Ciliates are protozoans, which are one-celled creatures that have uh, either, well, usually part or all of their surface is covered with cilia, and sometimes all over, like a paramecium, sometimes in bands and belts. And stentor is another ciliate. If I haven't mentioned, it's it's uh, it can be pretty long. It can stretch out to two millimeters long. It's one cell. That's really, really long. Yeah. And uh, it, it looks like a cornucopia and it's got contractile proteins in it that can cause it to cinch up so it can 
shrink up into something that looks more like a rugby ball mm-hmm. and um, let go. The skinny part, when it looks like a cornucopia or trumpet, that's what stentor means, a trumpet. Uh, the skinny part has a little adhesive and sticks to something and then uh, stretches out and then beats its cilia and sucks various uh, smaller protozoans or bacteria into its oral groove and then uh, phagocytosed. What's the, what's the proper, I say phagocytosed or phagocytized or mm. I'm not sure, but. I just kind of lump them all to lump in, them endo together. or exo. Yeah. Whether it's going in or out. Right. Well, yeah. it's, it's definitely an endo, but right. whether you say phagocytosed or phagocytized. Yeah. Oh. Uh, that's well, what I'm. Yeah. You're getting into the real. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Details here. Yeah. You know. So. That's a cool creature. That is a cool creature. Yeah. It's one of I my favorites watch, to look at. Watching the like whirling this, cilia. Yeah. The whirling cilia. It's just kind of remarkable cilia, under the yeah. microscope. And if it, it's beating them and causing these vortexes up by the, the wide bell shaped opening. Yeah. And so, and you if you get the phase contrast, get the lighting right, you can get the the background dark. Yeah. And the stentors all lit up under the mm, microscope. Nice. It's really pretty. And you can also see the vortex and all sorts of things getting swirled around up where it's uh feeding. So do you anyway, have a bucket list microorganism? Well, uh you got me thinking as small, I see stentor regularly cuz I show it to my class, but as far as something small, it's not one cell, but I would love to see a tardigrade. Oh yeah! You probably have you. We did it. The we did it the last two years in lab. We so coaxed tar- them out of the lichen. Right. I would like to see them under the yeah, because they're they're also called water ba- bears. They're so cool. They're these weird um, six legged, but not like an insect. Their their legs are very stubby. Like Michelin Man, yeah, a six-legged Michelin Man, yeah, and um, and they they creep around on mosses and lichens and kind of look like a microscopic very, caterpillar, really yeah, fat, but fat, but short, a short caterpillar mm-hmm. with the yeah the the legs being sort of like the pro legs of a of a of the back end of a caterpillar. So that that would be something I'd like to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very good. But do you have anything? Yeah, there's bit. some big things here out I there am too. Telling you to go bigger. <laughs> I'm Mr. You heard it here, folks. We're going charismatic next. Yeah. This one is charismatic. Well, as charismatic Meso- charismatic as a plant can be. Plant okay. bucket list. Ooh. Rafflesia. Oh, is this the one that is the the big stinky fl- flower? The, yeah, the that's largest right. flower. The largest flower uh recorded on the planet is called Rafflesia. Rafflesia. It's somewhere in Southeast Asia, right? Borneo. Yeah, or it is in that part of the world, in Indonesia, discovered on the island of Sumatra. So, okay. kind of the famous islands, if you think about orangutans. Yeah. Uh, the islands of Borneo and Sumatra are two of the largest of the Indonesian islands. But I believe Rafflesia is also seen in some other parts of. So, how big's uh, the bloom? Um, how big's that one flower? So, this single flower. Let's see, I'm pulling up my stats here. Yeah, there we the go. The single flower may be over 100 centimeters in diameter, 40 inches, Whoa. and weigh up to 22 pounds. Wow. A single bloom. So they're this kind of- And it's not a good smell, right? Yeah, this isn't, uh, this isn't your bouquet you're going to bring into the house for, for right. what, what the holiday that just passed, right? Right. Um, no, this thing is stinky, it, and it's kind of uh, a lot of these- a lot of these types of flowers that are are designed 
to attract uh, pollinators, right? Think about the types of winged creatures that like something really stinky, and you think of flies right away and some, some other creatures mm-hmm. as well. Uh, this this Rafflesia is kind of reddish or maroon colored, um, and it's got this big open opening uh, where the where the center of the flower would be, and that's uh, that's where all the I don't know the details of the chemistry of this creature at all, but that's where the the stink emanates from, kind of the center right. of this of this massive flower. Yeah, wow. wow, humongous. I mean, just walking through the rainforest. And there's a Rafflesia. I think that'd just be the neatest. Yeah, thing. that would be really, that would be cool. So I'll, All right, I'll, you're I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll go follow your lead with a plant. Similar to that is a, a plant called the Dead Horse Arum, another gross plant that um, smells and looks like some carrion. And um, in fact, it, when it's got the like the same sort of uh, floral morphology, like a jack in the pulpit or skunk cabbage, oh, it's got yeah. a spathe and mm-hmm. a spadix. Yeah, but it's it's uh, spathe, which is this subtending bract or leaf-like structure underneath the cluster of flowers. The cluster of flowers looks kind of like a cob, of, yeah, like corn. Yep, a skunk cabbage. That's called the spadix. And so the spathe is this thing that's the big leafy-like structure below it. And it's kind of this gross pinkish gray and, and the bristles come out. So it looks like a, a dying carcass, a, mm. a dead carcass with, and, and it smells like rotting flesh. And it's just, just interesting. It's not pretty in the sense of, oh, I'd like to see a beautiful blossom. It's ugly and stinky, but what's really neat about its ecology, it's on this, um, and I'm sure it's in other places, but it's on the island of Menorca. And there's a, it's a small or a near, near Menorca. And on that island, there's a lot of little black lizards. Mm. Where in the world are we right uh, now? In Mediter- Mediterranean. Mediterranean, okay. And a lot of little black lizards that, Really, a lot of aspects of the lizard's life uh, relate to this uh, dead horse arum. Yeah. Where the spathe, will, the biochemistry of the spathe to make the rotting smell will cause the spathe to heat up. And so on a, a coolish morning, the lizard will climb onto the spathe and absorb the heat from it. Wow. So if it's not getting enough heat from the sun, it can warm itself on the spade. That's really cool. And um, not only that, but the, because like Rafflesia, it's drawing in carrion insects Mm -hmm. like flies. Yeah. And of course they fly into this uh, spade where the spadix is and thinking they're going to get a meal or lay their eggs there to make their babies, the maggots. They go in looking for something to eat or lay eggs on, and there's nothing. And then the lizard follows in Ooh. after them and plugs the hole, and the fly is trapped, and the lizard gets a meal. Wow. So this so li- lizard is really dependent yeah, really, upon this plant. Yeah, so the lizard you know, eats the flies attracted to the dead horse, Aram. It warms itself on it. And also, 
when it dries and forms fruits, the spathe kind of curl up around the, the cluster of fruits. And one lizard discovered that the fruits weren't that bad after, you know, after it flowered and set seed. And it was able to kind of burrow into the curled, dried spathe and pull out a fruit that uh, looked like, like a, a squishy corn kernel. Something like that, and found it was good. Hmm. And that habit caught on. And so these uh, lizards started eating the fruit from the dead horse arum later in the season. And that started depositing the seeds all over the island because, you know, they defecate somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And so all of us, uh, after a, a bit, a dead horse arum population just started spreading all over the island because the the lizards were eating the seeds. And this has all happened this in relatively is, modern yeah. times where people yeah. observed. So this, this was this change the in the ecology of the spread of the, oh, that was I really neat. I would, I would like to see that. Now I've seen it again on, on video, but I would like to see it in person. Mm -hmm. So. That's cool. I would like to see, um, I, I would like to see something like, well, two things come to mind. I'm thinking more charismatic now. That's fine. And we're, we're moving. Allowed. Thank you. Thank you. Um, we're going to move a couple, I guess, two different parts of the ocean. Like one at the surface, the, this site would be closer to the surface and one would be kind of on the sea floor. I would love to, I would love to be out on the pack ice mm -hmm. in the Arctic. And I would love to, uh, to see a couple of things. One of, I would just love to see belugas and, um, mm -hmm. and narwhals. Oh, I'd love narwhals that. Narwhals in particular, mm -hmm. um, just to see that remarkable unicorn of the sea yeah uh and they would be great yeah and their interactions with each other um but i'd also like to see a couple of those really high polar uh arctic birds uh like a ross's gull i'd mm -hmm. love to see a ross's or, what, what or is an a ivory ross's? gull i mean is it a particular does it have different blue plumage than yeah, most gulls? ross's gull is distinctly is distinct uh, from most gulls in that it has, it's mostly uh, pink on its breast and flanks. Oh, neat. That is cool. Yeah, it's got this beautiful thin kind of black necklace behind the eye, kind of wrapping wholly that around the cool. head. It's a smaller gull, but it's got this really beautiful kind of rosy, light pink tone to its, to its breast and flanks. And then the rest of it's a little more typical of the gull, mm -hmm. kind of gray depending on the time of year, gray or, or black and white wings. But some of these individuals just really bright pink, especially, especially with the contrast of the snow and the ice. Uh, to yeah. see a bird with that much color yeah. uh, in that type of environment would be really stunning. I'll follow your lead again okay. with a bird. We mentioned it before. I think I, think it, I inquired about it uh, when you were talking about something up, up in your Arctic days. Yeah. The puffin. I would love to see mm. one of the puffins. I don't care which one, but I just think puffins are the coolest looking bird. And I'd love to see them up close where they're nesting on the cliffs yeah. and seeing, you know, after they've come back with a good catch of what? Sardines? Mostly? Sardines, Sardines, sand lances. Yeah. Something yeah. like that. Just a, a beak full of fish. I just think they're just beautiful, beautiful birds. And, uh, just hardy. Anything that nests on a cliff and lives in that kind of tumultuous, cold seas. Yeah. Has my respect. Yeah, absolutely. 
The next one that I was uh, thinking about is your. So we'll just flip flop here. That's a bird, oh, yeah. bird oh, yeah, for you, go the puffin. Going for a herp. Oh man! And I think this. I like herps. Uh, they don't. They don't fascinate me I as like much bird. as birds. I like birds, but um. You know, I, one in particular has always fast. I've always been fascinated by salamanders. I, I yeah. especially growing up in the southeast in the in the southern Appalachians, really love salamanders. But this one that's always just kind of captivated my attention, probably from pouring over, you know, National Geographic magazine and, and other things like that, is the Komodo dragon, the largest lizard. Yes, technically, it, it's the largest lizard because crocs. Are not they are lizard. crocodilians? They are crocodilians. Yeah, and lizards are testudines. Uh, te- no, lizards are squamata. That's right. Testudines are, are turtles and yeah, tortoises. Squamatas is the turtles. Yeah, so um, I would I would love to see. I'd love to be inside in in some position to watch Komodo dragons yeah. in their in their environment hunting. Right. Sort of a dry scrub on the east part of Java. Okay, a uh, little island of Komodo. Yeah, yeah, I would. Uh, that was on my bucket list, but I, you know, are they exclusive that, to that island? Is that is there only one island there, or are there a couple that they've? Oh, that's a good question. I know they're on Komodo, but I'm not sure if they're on some other nearby islands. Okay, I, I mean, whoever named that creature just got it right. Yeah, they got it the... right. It's a neat name. Mm-hmm. Komodo's a neat name, mm-hmm. so it sticks. And it's a big monitor lizard that yeah. gets up to ten feet. And uh, there's some extinct. Uh, monitors around the same area where they've got skeletons of some giant monitor that makes the Komodo look like a dwarf. But yeah. they are a really neat beast. Are there, uh, what's the closest next in size? of, um, of I, The of next in size, living... not, there, there's some, uh, your water and land monitors can get up to six feet. I think the Goana of the Australia yeah. is up there. Yeah. A lot of them, but they're just not as heavy bodied. I'm not sure which one's, you know, the next in line because a lot of them are right around there, six feet. There gotcha. might be uh, one that, you know, I don't store away in my memory banks uh, all yeah. of these little who's first, who's second. Is that stem to stern, uh, total length, tip yeah, of tail, total length, tip from of snout? nose, tip of snout to the tip of the tail. Yeah. And monitors aren't the kind of lizards that can do autotomy. They, they don't lose their tails. That'd be a big a lot loss of, of a lot a of lizards of and um, you know salamanders that lose their tails. Often, uh, herpetologists who are taking measurements in the field will do a snout vent length, okay, instead of a a total length. Because if it did lose its tail, you don't. You would have to guess. You you would well you would do a a snout tip of the stub length, right? Which varies. So what they do to estimate the size is the snout to the vent, which yeah. is the opening to the cloaca, which is where they do their little business. Yep. So an, here's another so one. So you haven't seen those. You haven't seen Komodo dragons. I've seen them in the zoo. You've been to that part I've of the been, world. I've been to Java. Yeah. And I went to a zoo and I saw Jealous. Some, I went to a, a zoo that had some Komodos. Uh, that was neat. Yeah. Seeing them through the glass, but not, not wild. Right. That was great. And I paid a, my host let me hold a, an orangutan. Uh, that that's was, so cool. That was great. Um, there. You pay, uh, I forget, a nominal fee. Yeah. You get your picture taken with this young orangutan. Not super young. Probably 
an adolescent, but I just holding it on my hip and it was uh, very curious about my ear. <laughs> Sticking its finger down my ear. <laughs> That's and awesome. They, they took a picture of that. <laughs> but Doing a little uh, health no, no, assessment this is uh, this is related. I mentioned earlier when we were talking about was it our extinction episode? I'd mentioned the ivory bill. Uh huh. Yeah. So um, uh, it looks like I'm going to go to Lord Willing down to Louisiana. Ooh. this june Ooh. and i'll be uh speaking down there but also i'll be going out in the field with a friend of mine a new friend of mine named matt cortman and uh, we're gonna be you know i'm gonna enjoy myself whether we get skunked or not a lot of people think that the ivory bill is extinct yep and uh but there's been enough sightings from reliable witnesses that there's a, a good chance that it's um, still around. And so, and I'm going out with a guy who thinks it's still with us. Yeah. And um, we're going in good habitat. And as far as my bucket list, oh, this is like, man. this is, uh, this is um, sort of fantasy land. Oh yeah. Because even if it is still with us, you know, the chances, the raw chances of seeing it are pretty because a lot of people have been looking in yeah. their habitat and come up empty right pretty low it's chance just, so it's uh so i'm gonna be praying that god just providentially puts us uh in the right spot and uh, uh so my with my bucket list rolling yeah, with this is my bucket list to find a nest hole of the ivory bill oh, so yeah. you can call me a dreamer I will, but I like Call it. Call me a dreamer. I still but like I it. I would love to be in a canoe in the swamps, some yeah. bottom, hardwood bottomland of Louisiana, oh, man. in a canoe, looking up at this old snag with a ivory bill hole Ugh. and have a male and a female going in and out of it. Having chicks. Having chicks. Squawking and, and being And them fed. provisioning the chicks. I would just probably, my smile, I would probably get choked up. I might unfriend you if you see an ivory bill. <laughs> I will probably get choked up with joy oh. uh, to see this thing that has been unofficially been thought extinct for, for decades. Yes. I, I mean, there's been sort of a hope that was reawakened 2004, 2005 with that a group of ornithologists that came down from Cornell to yeah, look for it. Yeah, yeah. And they, they got reliable sightings. But again, no one got really, I mean, the only f video footage of it is the uh, black and white 1935, you know, the, the, the things that they've caught on film since yeah. are very blurry kind of Sasquatch fleeting glimpse right. that in, you can't. Inconclusive. Inconclusive yeah. as far as the camera, but in terms of the actual eyewitness, they know their field marks. They know the difference between a pileated and a ivory bill. Yeah, yeah. These are not just some Joe, random Joe that doesn't know a, a bird from a beaver. This is, a, this is the frontier of sorts in, in zoology, and it's an exciting one. Discovering yeah. a new species, Rediscovering a, 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 uh, an a extinct, possibly extinct yeah. species, so, that, that's so, about as good uh, as it gets. Yeah, it does. And so I won't think that, you know, I won't 
it won't go to my head because I'm not I'm not a birder. I mean, I'm sort of a secondary birder. I no, like birds. You are a birder. I am a birder. Okay, but there we go. I am I'm more of a herper. Right. And I'm not from the deep south. So if I get down there and I luck out and see the ivory bill, it's just going to be I just was it's like some kid in, in the uh in the stadium who who happened to be right where the home run was knocked over the fence and yeah. he gets the baseball f- of that of the winning home run of the yeah. world series it's like there was nothing that the kid did that <laughs> made your, him your special. skin in the game was pretty low yeah my but, skin know, in the did... game there's guys that have been out there photographers been out there and a lot more sweat blood right. sweat and tears and if i so but if we've got listeners, uh, we can enlist your prayer support. Absolutely. And I like, I affirm this dream. And to quote one of my favorite, uh, my favorite actors, we are the music makers. We are the dreamers of the dreams. If you can name that mm-hmm. actor and movie, I'll be impressed with you. Oh, wow. What do you think? Say that know? again. We are the music makers. We are the dreamers of the dreams. One of my favorite. That's Gene Wilder in the original okay. Charlie okay. and the Chocolate Factory. Wow. Anyway. Okay. Good Shall stuff. We... I don't think I want to stop, Gordon, but we probably should. Oh, yeah, we something. probably we have time should. For Maybe a little we... tiny bit more. Oh, what, um, what are we at? Do yeah, you, I, I can do you one. You just did quick an ivory one. build. I got a quick one. Quick one. And I was thought of it because of the ivory build. And this little creature is diminutive. Uh, so, so, so uh, as cool as seeing maybe, uh, maybe not quite as cool as seeing a creature that was thought extinct or a new species, is seeing a creature that's on the decline precipitously. So a creature that's become just incredibly, incredibly rare. rare. And uh, that for me would be a creature that's, it's an odd group of birds. Um, it's a group of birds called the rails. And this, this bird is the black rail. Okay. The black rail is getting really close to extinction. Uh, it lives in salt marshes, uh, mostly on the Atlantic coast, but some interior as well. And they are just almost impossible to find. Because they're so small, because of the dense salt marsh habitat they live in, this spartina, this salt grass, it's really dense growing stuff. Um, and they, uh, they can be heard at a, at a, and kind of an, an un, you know, one of those terrible hours of the early morning, you know, three or 4 a.m. You can hear some of these vocalizations mm-hmm. and then try to track down these birds. Wow. But the black rail, really tiny, squattish, kind of ugly looking bird, big, long legs, red eyes. I would love Neat. to see a black rail. Well, I'll I'll end with the bird too. Maybe we can do part two of this, but and I mentioned it, I think, with um, parental care we did, but a lot of people didn't. Unless you're listening to these episodes, a lot of people don't know about the sun grebe, and the sun grebe is Central and South America, and it's not super rare, but it's like it's one of the common names is marsupial bird, and it's uh, because it's got these neat little pockets pouches right under the male does pouches under the wings and the males can put you know get i don't know how it does but i would love to see it in real life i've never seen it in a documentary but they people have looked at it they can get one or two chicks in these pouches yeah and that's just to me phenomenal that would be fun and to see. they can fly with them in the pouches with the chicks in their pouches <laughs> and dive with the chicks in the pouches. Wow. And the feathers, so they're not super deep pockets and you don't want your chicks falling out mid-flight. So the feathers along the rim 
curl up and back and sort of help contain the kid, the, the kids from the kiddos. falling out of the, wow. the bucket. And, uh, I just think that that would be one, you know, I don't know how close you could get to actually seeing the chicks where, go into where the in the pouch. world are these South America and Central America okay. in, in water. They're, they're a water bird. They're in the Gruiformes yeah. order yep. uh, with the rails and some, some of the other, I there's, it's a huge family. Yeah. It's an odd assortment of, of yeah. water birds. Yeah. That's a cool one. I think the coots and the moorhens are yep. in that yep. family. Maybe. But anyway, maybe. there we go. That's some of our bucket list. Good stuff. That's all right. fun. My bucket list is growing now all of yes, a sudden. Yes, all of a sudden. Yeah. Hey, well, thanks, right. Gordon. We'll see you. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening. And remember, for all your homeschool science needs, go to noeoscience.com. That's N-O-E-O science.com. <laughs>